listener, welcome to another ex- oh, I almost said exciting episode. I know I was ready for you to say another exciting episode. Hey, this, try a different adjective. Welcome to another enlightening episode of this mm. week in enlighten no, not enlightening. Yeah, try um, one more time. Start one more time. Does it have to be an E word? Welcome to another mm. enth wonderful. <laughs> Wait, patriotic episode. <laughs> to start well, the regular way. And three, two, one. Welcome, listener, to another episode of This Week in Mormons with Perfect. Melissa and Matt, the twin siblings. Hey, as Maddie. Can, as you can tell, we're going to have some fun today. Well, we haven't talked to each other for a long time, so this could just be us catching up. I don't know. You left the country. You abandoned us. I left the country. Yeah, I did. I w- I've been gone for almost two weeks, which is totally out of my nature, but it was the the most fun I've ever had with my husband on a trip. We went to a lot of different countries. And what I will say is I like talking to people from different places and cultures and seeing how they live and what they do. I yeah. also genuinely like eating different foods because food is a big part of Traveling. Well, so now I'm guessing you weren't like in like African countries trying like cockroaches mm. or something like that. Uh, no cockroaches. No cockroaches. No, we went on a we went on a tour of some Caribbean islands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, everybody, um, everybody likes trying those foods. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It was you know it was a big anniversary for us, and we thought, hey, I've got a little bit of time off school. Um, my kids can all go to in-laws for Thanksgiving and we just took off. It was great fun. You've been traveling too. Yeah. My daughter and I went to watch the BYU Oklahoma state football game. Oh, in Um, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. So we were going to drive out there, but then last minute there was a big snowstorm that came through. And so I was like, okay, how can I do this? So I found a flight from Las Vegas to Kansas city for $80. So we really, so we, Drove to Las Vegas, parked our car in Vegas, flew to Kansas City, <laughs> rented a car in Kansas City, drove five hours to Oklahoma, uh, wow. watched, watched the football game. There was a rainstorm. It was rain in Oklahoma, snowing in Kansas. So we had to go back to the airport the long way to avoid the snow. <laughs> so it was about five and a half, six hours to get back to the airport. We arrived at the airport at 1 a.m. Our flight left at 5 a.m. Oh, wow. And then... Um, my daughter got off in Salt Lake City because we had a layover in Salt Lake City. She's like, I'm mm-hmm. just getting out here. I'm not going with you to Vegas. <laughs> She's I a con- good daughter. I like that move. <laughs> and then I continued on to Vegas and then drove back. And on the way back, there's that place where the bridge is down to one lane. So it's oh. Thanksgiving weekend, Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Everybody from Southern California headed back to Utah. And I sat from Mesquite to St. George was two and a half hours <gasps> just sitting on the freeway. Oh, that sounds yeah. terrible. But Matt, you saved some money. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I saved some you money. You are the king <laughs> of um, of good travel deals because you like to travel. So you're always keeping your eye out for good deals. I'm always and significant is that your daughter served her mission in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. So that's why we wanted to go back. And she spent six months of her mission in Stillwater, which is where the game was. And so okay. it was, and you know, she got to see her old mission president and like the, cool. all the members of the church there. It was just a lot of fun. Is she going to pull something that some people in our family are famous for pulling, AKA going back and marrying someone she met on her mission? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. There are no. a lot of people from her mission that do that. I've I've kind oh, of yeah. sensed that with the lowering of the mission age, there are a lot more elders and sisters that are kind of closer to the same age and sort of yeah. 
date and marry each other. So there's a lot yeah. of that going on with people from her MTC group. But she doesn't seem interested in any of those people. Okay. And final question. Who won the game? Melissa, it went to double overtime. Oh, really? Yeah. And BYU was set up to win it in double overtime. They had stopped Oklahoma State from scoring a two-point conversion. So all they needed was a touchdown and an extra point. Uh They throw the ball. The tight end catches it. It's a first down. We're (gasps) so excited. But the Oklahoma State person stripped the ball and he Uh fumbled it right in front of us. And Oklahoma State recovered it, and the game was over. Oh, and it wow. was it was my daughter's very first. She didn't even know football at all. She was like, oh, okay. Really? She's like, okay, so I get a sense that there's a certain number of downs that they get. I'm like, yep, yep. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, you see those orange things? If they get past that, they get another first down. Oh, okay, all right. And why do they sometimes <laughs> kick the ball? And why do they okay, sometimes? So she's <laughs> totally learning the game. She knew nothing at all. But so like, you're like, this isn't how they normally end. Like, it's not normally this exciting. <laughs> Like BYU was way ahead at halftime, but it was literally, Melissa, it was freezing rain. It was like 40 degrees, pouring rain. That's and how football it, is supposed to be. Yeah. And so halftime, BYU is ahead and everybody around us left because they were Oklahoma State fans because they're like, oh, this isn't going to be that good of a game. Uh-huh. And by the end of the game, we're just freezing cold, jumping up and down, trying to stay warm. <laughs> and she's so uh-huh. excited because BYU is going to win. And then suddenly they don't. And then I'm like, oh, that's man. it. Time to go home. Yeah, that sounds fun. That sounds like a great time. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, what a fun time of life to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to a football game in a long time. You kind of have to, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, let's get to the news, Melissa. Okay, let's start with quick clips. What have you got? So um, Thanksgiving weekend around about then, the church started um, their Light the World giving machine like publicity thing, but they did an event in Times Square. Mm-hmm. All of the billboards in Times Square. Have you ever been to Times Square? No. Okay. Uh-uh, but I, I mean, I know about it. Yeah, you, you'll see it on movies and such, but you've got all these tall buildings with giant billboards, and they're always advertising different things. You've got ads for the musicals that are at Broadway around there, but you also have just these huge like television billboards that are always advertising movies and whatever. Anyhow, mm-hmm. the church paid for all of them to advertise for their Light the World campaign. Wow. And, and they displayed the nativity all across Times Square. So there was huh. a period of time when Times Square was just filled with lights and um, the story of Christmas and advertisements for the giving machine. So, Oh, I like cool. that they made it religious. I like that. Yeah, I was also reading the news story about the Times Square. And of course, like the, the giving machine is like, a it's they're going all out this year. Every year they just kind of, commit a little bit more to it as far as like funds and, and, and locations. And and I know we've talked about that a little bit in the past on TWIM, but um, what I thought was kind of cool was in Times Square, like they really coordinated with all of these other community groups. So like UNICEF, the Red Cross, um, Catholic charities, like all of these other, I don't know, groups who are, you know, committed to the same kinds of causes um, showed up for the big unwrapping of the Times Square machine and, yeah. and I mean, I think it's a great thing that our church does, but I also love that we're partnering with other people and, and making it this really like uniting thing, not just uniting in like giving, but uniting in promoting and, and I, yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, the causes. Yeah, it's, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of money, I imagine, to like fill Times Square with advertisements just for you and for nothing else. Yeah, I bet um, it is. Yeah. But it's probably, that's a good cause, right? It's not like they're getting anything out of it. They're just advertising well, for charity. I mean, I think advertising for charity is, 
is like, that's fine. We can totally do that. We can spend our money on that if that's what we think is important. Um, I mean, I wonder if the, the amount that the machines give back, how, how that, you know, correlates to how much we spent to promote it. Like that would be an interesting number for me to look at. Yeah. But I think the fact that they were able to like show the religious side of Christmas in downtown New York, I, I mean, I think that's, that's a big win, just that part alone. So I agree. Yeah. Well, that's all I have on that story, Melissa. Okay. Well, you, that was really, really special, Maddie. You're so Thank good you. at telling Thank stories. Um, <laughs> it seems like there are a lot of um, places with big um, temple square, temple visiting centers um, that are um, announcing their Christmas displays. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, what do you know about that? I don't know oh, wait. Really anything. Oh, wait, I thought you were going to talk more about the Times Square thing. The, I'm not. Like the world campaign. Oh, okay. I'm not because um, I think we did a good job already. <laughs> Do you have more to talk about? I just think it's impressive that it's bigger than bigger than it's ever been before. It's like twice as big as last year. Um, there aren't as many giving machines in like Utah locations, but there are more mm-hmm. like globally around the world. Yeah. Um, so I I just well, wanted to know. And if you look at the bigger, things that. Yeah. If you look at the things that you can buy, I mean, they still have the things like the goats and the chickens and the water bottles, but you can buy things like polio vaccines, which I think that's awesome. Um, menstrual health products. Um, a lot of places don't have those just available for women. And then they have like artisan materials. So people who are in, you know, less wealthy countries and who create artistic things, you can, you can provide them with things like, I don't know, supplies or tools to improve the artistry work that they do. So like, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of really cool things that a rainwater storage tank, um, three school desks. Like it's really, it's really awesome. Yeah. The thing I like about the light, the world campaign and the giving machines is that a hundred percent of what you donate goes to the cause, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. in any charitable organization, there's overhead and there's costs. Mm-hmm. And so I like that the church is eating all of those costs. The church is paying for all of those overhead costs so that, all of a person's donations go to the cause that they're supporting. So sometimes people will say to me, like when we talk about charitable giving, charitable giving, and I say, I like to give through the church. They're like, well, yeah, but there's so many other good causes. And I say, I know, but I do know that the church's humanitarian efforts, a hundred percent of what I give goes to the cause and none of it yeah. is overhead. So. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah so, okay. So, so the next story is I just put, we put a link to this in the show notes. There's like five different LDS temples that are doing Christmas displays right now. So Washington DC had a ceremony to light their lights. I think it was Elder Renlund that was there. Mesa, Arizona has a nice display. The Salt Lake City temple, obviously they have theirs. Oakland, California, Idaho Falls has music that they're doing at their visitor center every night mm-hmm. in December up until Christmas. So if you're looking for a way to celebrate the holidays and you want to see Christmas lights, LDS temples are a good place to go. Yeah. And again, I feel like this is a really appropriate way to make the, you know, the holiday centered on what it's supposed to be centered on. Right. Um, I mean, you don't have to be a member of the church to go enjoy the lights, but the fact that you're walking around a place where in general, we tend to feel the spirit more. Right. And we, we, the focus there is like, you know, things are clean. Things are, um, things are like, you don't have a bunch of billboards around advertising things and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, just, I think it's a good overall spirit. Have you gone to any of those or do you regularly like we head do. to Idaho Falls or Salt Lake? Um, 
So we always, we do what we call the 12 days of Christmas. We always try to do like things at Christmas time that remind us of the meaning of Christmas. Oh, cool. So we'll frequently go to, when we're in Southern California, we like to go to the Los Angeles temple to look at their lights. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to go to Salt Lake City when we can. Um, I haven't been to Idaho Falls. It's too cold to me to go outside <laughs> in, in some places. But yeah. I like it because I do try to make like our, our home a place where people can feel the spirit and think about the true meaning of Christmas. But it's hard. Whereas yeah. if you go to a temple, like that's all there is there. And so then you're not competing with the other kind of distractions. Yeah. And they typically have like nativity displays and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like what they do at Salt Lake. Salt Lake City Temple Square is always great, but I think parking's difficult. And and it it's under be. construction right now, so it's not as magical as it has been in years past. But, but something sorry. I learned last year is if you go into the conference center, there is a sister missionary assigned like every 300 feet, a new set of sister missionaries, and they yeah. will teach you the gospel and help you find people to teach. And sometimes they'll carol to you. <laughs> They'll walk up to you and say, can we sing a Christmas carol for you? That happened to me last year. And I was like, well, indeed, let me just stand here and listen. This this will not be awkward at all. Go for it. Hit it, girls. If you feel like you're lacking in missionary experiences, go to the, what is it called? The conference center? Go to the conference center. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Um, Matt, a few maybe months ago, Mm -hmm. I told you about this quirky little Instagram post that Elder Bednar did. Yeah. Where it was a day in the, the life of an apostle, and mm-hmm. he like you know showed him working at t- uh, his office and having meetings. And anyways, guess what? He's put out part two, a there day was, in the life was, of Elder Bednar, part two. There was he probably a lot of there's probably a lot of apostle envy after that. They're all like, <laughs> "I want that job. I want to do what Elder Bednar is doing." So he's like, "Wait, wait, wait! I got to show him that it's not all glamorous working in I my mean, office." I think it's just like I, he's really trying to, you know, get out there on, on, on the internets, on the social medias, and be like, <laughs> "I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing." Here's okay. So okay, clearly oh, he yes. did not shoot this video himself. Like he had a photographer following him around. Okay, but so what part is part two, two about? Part two is a day in the life of an apostle when he's doing actual like church work. So it's like a weekend, Ooh. not not oh. a weekday, not a business day, a weekend. <laughs> And he so wait, we get to, to see how he relaxes on the weekend? <laughs> no, no, Matt. Do you think he relaxes on the weekend? He uh, holds multiple state conference meetings. So ooh. yeah, he, he headed down to Southern Utah and he's like, on Saturday, I had this meeting and then this meeting and then this meeting and then this meeting, which, you oh. know, you have like priesthood session, leadership uh-huh. session, adult session. And then I had, and then he had like a combined, anyways, what was interesting? Okay. First of all, not funny. Like, you know how you have to have a little bit of like, I don't know. I'm a cute guy. Like I'm a normal guy. This is all like, I'm in a serious apostle guy. Like it (laughs) didn't have any of the like cute little things. Um, and, and there was a lot of photographing chapels, which I didn't think we were allowed to do. Like him standing at the pulpit, preaching to a congregation, a congregation of youth, a congregation of adults. And like, it was all shots of inside of a stake center chapel, except for when he was outside shaking hands with people. Maybe it's only sacrament meeting you can't do that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't but know. But here's the thing. What I wanted is like, okay, where did you go to eat dinner? Who hosted you <laughs> overnight? <laughs> what did you wear when you were in pajamas at another person's house? Like, don't you like what's the what's the apostle wearing for pajamas? Has he got like this this full button up? 
plaid thing going on and and like what what happens when sister renland or sorry sister bednar is just like tired of you like we've been together for eight <laughs> hours today honey i need some alone time i'm gonna go to the mall for a little bit i'll see on you on a sunday you go to priesthood leadership like- meeting you got a priesthood leadership meeting. I'm going to go to the Ephraim Mall. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt snow like it was a little too staged. I mean, I appreciate oh. that there is a lot that he does. And and again, I think he's trying to be internet savvy, but it just wasn't like, I don't know. I mean, it was semi-interesting, but I wanted it whenever, to be more fun. Whenever I hear these announcements, like there's an upcoming state conference and there's a state leadership meeting for all of the people in these callings. Yeah. I'm always so grateful when I don't have one of the callings where I have to go to one of those leadership (laughs) meetings. Right. I think Elder Bednar's video was trying to get rid of all of the apostle envy and say, listen, you don't just go to those (laughs) meetings. You go to these and these. And like all we do if you're an apostle is meetings all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday, church meetings. Yeah. There are definitely a lot of meetings. Yeah. That's Anyways, I, I think that's the 14th article of faith, Melissa. We believe, we believe in, in meetings, meetings. We hope for meetings. We've endured many meetings, hope to be able hmm. to endure all meetings. Hmm. You do you, okay. Do you, okay. Let's just like broad stroke this for just a minute. Like, do you get anything out of those meetings? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be rude or crass, but like, honestly, like if you've been to one stake leadership meeting, you've been to them all. <laughs> like, how, right? Like. Okay, there is this is nothing my... new. There's no reinventing the wheel going on here. Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll answer questions. Okay. <laughs> but we're going to submit those questions. And let's be honest, it's going to be like, how do I know if my prayer was really answered? Been there and heard that question and answered before. <laughs> like, I don't know. So, you know what I mean? This is my favorite um, experience from a, a leadership meeting. And Elder Richard G. Scott was there. Okay. He's no longer alive, so he can neither confirm nor deny what I'm about to say. Okay, yeah, it was tell hilarious. us, weave a story for us. <laughs> so we're at one of these stake meetings, and you know how in those meetings there's always the person who's trying to like suck up a little bit or try to show how awesome oh, yeah. they are? Okay, mm-hmm. so this person, like the, one of the new handbooks had just come out, and so we were supposed to be learning about the handbook. And so okay. he raises his hand and he asks Elder Scott, he's like, I was reading such and such in the handbook, and... I was thinking about this and he's like, I was wondering if you could give me any insights on this part of the handbook. And Elder Scott's like, (laughs) to be honest, I don't pay much attention to the handbook. (laughs) I have a lot of other assignments that I've been busy about and I haven't had a chance to look at the new handbook yet. Oh my gosh, I love that. So go ahead and read that, my friend, but I have no idea. I have no idea. (laughs) I know. Yeah, so the meetings, whenever I, it's like when my kids tell me they didn't get anything out of seminary, I'm like, oh, well, that's probably on you. That's not on your teacher. So then it makes me nervous about saying I didn't get anything out of a meeting. Oh, yeah, it's definitely on me. It's definitely one time I was in a stake meeting and they were like, we'll just answer any questions you want. And I don't know, I just ask whatever's on my mind. So I raised my hand and I was like, you know, the stake boundaries here seem, or the ward boundaries in this stake seem a little bit inequitable. And I'm noticing like, all the rich people are in this ward and all the struggling uh-huh. people are in this ward. Have you ever thought about maybe splitting that up a little bit to kind of share the load? And I didn't realize that the previous stake president was like sitting right next to me, the one who had drawn up those boundaries. And he like raises his hand and then sort of chastises me in front of the whole stake leadership. Oh, that's fun. That's yeah, fun. I was kind of like, oh, oh, okay. I guess there was some thought that you put into that. Okay, whatever. See, now that would make a great a day in the life of the apostle. Somebody raising their hand, asking a dumb question and getting chastised. I want to see that on Instagram. 
It didn't happen in Eldorado. The people in central Utah are more righteous than me. You're right. That's that's what I've learned. You're right. So my my next story is about a new group of Latter-day Saints in Austria as they've created a group for Ukrainians, the refugees there. There's enough of them that they're oh. going to have a group. A group is the smaller thing than a branch, right? So the smallest organization is a oh, group. Oh, I didn't know branch. that was a formal group. Okay, okay. Yeah, they just created one in Austria. Huh. That's on the church So it's news. called a group. So, But do they have like their own leadership or do yeah. they function under another ward's leadership? You have a group leader, okay. and I think they operate under the leadership of a stake presidency. Uh-huh. But but so really what you would do if you wanted to start like a Spanish-speaking branch or a Spanish-speaking ward in an area, typically you have a ward or a branch and they'll have a Sunday school group for just people in that language. Okay. And then that and then if that gets big enough, then it goes into a group, which is its own thing. And mm-hmm. then it could grow to a branch and then it could grow to a ward. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So is the function of that because mainly they speak a different language than the people in Austria? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think it's hard for the Austrian saints to have church people translating like into Ukrainian or something. Okay, yeah. When everything else is in German. Okay, interesting. Did you know so, one time I went to church in Austria and oh. um, I didn't speak any German at all. Me and my family, we just showed up to church and these saints were so cool. We show up and then, um, so for sacrament meeting, we didn't understand a word they said, but then for priesthood meeting... Um, they kind of looked around the room and they're like, is there anybody in here that doesn't know how to speak English? And they're all like, no, we all can speak English. So they're like, let's just do this meeting in English so that our visitors can understand what we're talking about. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you get a sense of how the uh, Ukrainian saints are doing? Like, I, I I, I have a hard time because I feel like news updates have kind of stopped on like what's actually happening over there as far as like on a human level. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really hard to say. A lot of refugees have returned back to Ukraine, Mm -hmm. um, but some, some refugees are not returning quite yet. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I don't think there's, I do think that the Kiev temple is open again though. Let me just look. Okay. Um, so I do think that things are, I mean, it's hard to be normal when there's a war happening in your country. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I, so I think that organizing a group is a way to say that like, oh, we recognize these people are going to be here for a long time. Okay. And so, um, let's organize, right. It's not just so temporary as what we thought. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It says, um, appointment availability is very limited at the Kiev temple. But I do think that it's open right now. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So they're, yeah. People must be back enough that they've reopened the temple. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so, um, Matt, with the whole Light the World campaign, which this is what the church does, right? Around Christmas time, they, they start this Light the World campaign and they have different shoot offs of it, of, of how they manage it. But from what I understand, like it's connected to the giving machines, but it's basically like how we're going to present our message on social media. That's what light the world is kind of to me. Does, do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, And I think that, you know, the church is like, Hey, as long as we're going to be on social media, let's be, let's be out there projecting like the Christmas message. Right. Mm -hmm. And let's find ways to love each other and serve each other. So, um, so yeah, like I, that's my understanding of it. I haven't really like gotten big into light the world just because I'm not on social media a ton. Right. Yeah. And and uh, that's you don't not how Jesus. I use social media. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, and I don't, <laughs> yeah, thanks Matt. Um, 
No, like I literally <laughs> only post like one thing over and over again, right? Like I, I'm, I'm yeah. yeah, you're better on social media. No, no, I've gotten I, off lately. I don't do it. Oh, anymore. have you? Yeah. yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so I, ha- I haven't been involved in it in a ton, but I've seen people who make posts and stuff like that. So this is kind of the church's new light the world um, push for this year. It's called a service shuffler and it's, it's, mm. a, it's an app. Oh. Um, <laughs> and so what you do is you go to the service shuffler and you push a button and it spins kind of like, like an old school <laughs> gambling machine. <laughs> like, bing, bingo. Bing, bing. Yeah. So it'll be like, it'll shuffle through all these options and it'll have one column that says, do what? And then the other column says, for who? Oh, and then the final column says, when? So for example, mm. it, under do what, you could say, it, like you just push the shuffler and it just shuffles and comes up with a Rake random some thing. leaves. So like give flowers to, oh. and then someone wearing blue uh-huh. at school, for example. <laughs> and so then you kind of do whatever it says. And then, and then you share on social media, how you use the service shuffler and you can use it every day or multiple times a day. And oh, wow. Anyways, it's, I mean, it's, I kinda, am not a fan it's of kind of cute. No, no. <laughs> Listen, Whoever we're trying new things. That. No, we're trying. We're trying <laughs> Why don't you like it? I'm going to try the thing to say how many service shuffler ideas can I get that I can't actually implement? Right at school, oh, I don't okay. go to school. Right or okay, wearing yeah. blue, I'm colorblind. I can't see anything. <laughs> Give flowers. You're such a rebel. You just <laughs> like to push against it. Um, um, I don't like a couple of other things too. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I just don't like gamifying service like that. Yeah, right? I don't know. Yeah, I understand. Service should be meaningful. Okay, sure. I mean, but like if you're just looking for something quick and easy to do and also to post, I suppose, right. is kind of what the push behind this is. Yeah. Right. Um, you can also get a daily text reminder or a daily oh. text. It's not necessarily oh. a reminder, but right. okay, so this is what the church is doing. If you sign up for it, what's WhatsApp? What's WhatsApp app? is like a messaging service that most people outside of the United States use. Oh, okay. So I was thinking it was a messaging service from 1983, but no, it's for outside of the United States. Okay. It's part of meta, but it's basically texting, but it's most people outside of the US use WhatsApp because then there's no international fees and stuff like that. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you can sign up to get a WhatsApp reminder or a daily text from the church and each text, okay, listen, sends one of eight character roles from the Bible's nativity story, Ooh. along with ideas for sharing the light. Play each role by using the suggestion to help <laughs> lift up others, then text back for another role. So it'd be like, I a wise be man the brought gifts to Jesus. You could be a wise man this year by da 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 da. Uh-huh. I also won't be signing up for that. <laughs> the manger held the baby Jesus. You could hold could the baby Jesus. You could be a manger. Jesus. I don't know. I mean, again, yeah. I, I do like that we're thinking out of the box, uh, that we're trying to keep this current and like we're trying to, you know, we're trying to do things. I, I think that's fine. I'm not going to do either of these things, however, and I, I don't know. This is the time of year when I purge all notifications. So mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. early November, I sign up for a whole bunch of notifications for Black Friday shopping. And then okay. by this time, I'm sick and tired of all of those notifications. Okay, that and takes so I a just while. Okay, purge them all. <laughs> okay. And this is not the time I want to sign up for new reminders or new notifications. Yeah. I'm but, the same way, but I do think there's people who are like, "Hey, my life is busy. If I could have a quick text to just help me, you know, focus on this goal that I'm focusing on, that'd be great." Mm-hmm. 
That's what Duolingo is based on, right? The little owl that shows up every day telling you, make sure you study your lessons today so you don't lose your streak. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Well, we're going to go to a lighter topic. I didn't mean to make fun of whoever you are at the church that did that app. It's a wonderful, beautiful idea, and you're going to make somebody's life. There's a lot of people in the church, and probably many of them will enjoy this and use it. It's just not me. Yeah, that's not not me. So, Mix 106 FM in Idaho has some funny LDS themed pickup lines. I'm just going to scroll through them, Melissa, real fast. Some pickup lines for for LDS singles. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If you're out there on the dating scene. <laughs> and they put it out on their radio station. <laughs> yeah, they have their on their website. All oh, right. Boy. And they've got some okay. memes along with them too. So you could like post. Okay, so oh. here's one. You just okay. tell me if you've ever had anyone use these on you or if you think Or they're... should I tell you if it would be effective? Would you like the laying on of hands? Mm-hmm. Um, inappropriate. <laughs> Is your name Ammon? Because you're disarming. Oh my. <laughs> yes, that would work. What else have you got? What's a celestial girl like you doing in a telestial place like this? <laughs> <laughs> Don't date that guy. Don't date that guy. Go on. I've been told I have the gift of tongues. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, gross. Uh, right, Please right. don't use that pickup line. Okay. Do you hold the priesthood? Would you like to? Oh, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. goodness. No. My body is a temple, and that smile is your recommend. <laughs> that is very inappropriate. <laughs> okay, I think this one could actually work. I was reading in the book of Numbers, and I realized I didn't have yours. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, this one you is can like that one. this one is total Mormon. I had to shake your hand to see if you're an angel. <laughs> All right, and then the no. last one, which I think this one's probably also inappropriate. You make me want to bear more than my testimony. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, wow, that's Mormon okay. news. They yeah. like they 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 say here's some Mormon myths that aren't true. Not all Mormons are polygamists. Okay. And uh, Mormons can date people that aren't Mormons. And here's some pickup lines you might try. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that really. That's really, that's funny. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm going to shift topics. <laughs> this is fairly serious. Um, hey, listener, if you feel like we go here and then there and you're there all over the place, we do it on purpose. You Welcome should not feel an emotion for longer than two seconds. We're going to make <laughs> you feel something different really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So um, there is another abuse scandal. Um, when I say abuse scandal, what I mean is members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are abused, or I guess they don't have to be a member to be abused, but they are abused by someone who is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they go to um, report the abuse, and the abuse is not handled in a way, or the allegation is not handled in a way that is um, appropriate, good, pleasing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, so we, we've talked about some of these before. This one is, I think this is pretty significant. It happened in Oregon. Um, the man um, who's accused of sexually abusing is a doctor. He's accused of sexually abusing women, specifically in the Mormon community, because he had um, a calling or over the years, different callings, which put him in a position of trust or authority. And also the fact that he was a doctor, again, put him in a position of trust or authority. 
Um, and so basically women are alleging that the abuse occurred, um, in his office. So like he did like, um, exams, like physical exams that weren't necessary or that weren't done appropriately. Um, he also did physical exams in his bedroom, according to some of them. Um, yeah, did checkups in his bedroom at home. Um, at least one of the, um, accusers said that, um, that he started abusing her when she was young, like when she was in her teen years and would promote himself like throughout the congregation as like, you know, I'm a doctor and I can help you and would kind of lure people into his clinic by the fact that like, Hey, you can trust me because I'm a member of your church. Um, the problem is, is that all of these women say that they reported the abuse, not just to the authorities, which they did. And this um, man did eventually lose his doctor's license um, because the, um, the, what I say, the legal process showed that he was behaving inappropriately. He did not lose his church status. He did not lose his membership. He was not really, it seems, um, punished at all by the church and was allowed to keep holding callings and in that sense, allowed to continue perpetrating his crimes. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, um, that's the accusation that's going on right now with a hundred, a hundred people alleging similar things. It seems fairly likely that it's true, but of course, like it hasn't been proven. Well, I guess in some well, cases no, it has been proven. Yeah. The criminal case though was, uh, dismissed the, the grand that's jury true. chosen. Yeah. But the civil case is going forward. Yeah, yeah. And his his license was taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think though, Melissa, we've talked about this a little bit before. Don't you think there's just going to be more and more and more of these? Like mm-hmm. in our church, we let anybody be a member of our church. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um and our church is based on confession and trust, right? So yeah. it's it's not that the Lord can't tell a bishop, "Hey, so and so is lying to you. You need to call them out." It's just that that doesn't happen all the time. That's not like right. a regular thing. And so, right. yeah, I, I like this stuff just doesn't surprise me anymore because I just think I've been in the church long enough to know that this stuff happens all the time in the church. Yeah, it happens. But it, it, the frustrating part is that you can't, you can't count on going to a church leader and having that leader take disciplinary action against someone who right. has done something right. inappropriate. Right. Like, and I think, I think that's really frustrating and it's hard to understand. And, and, and I know that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this because, you know, the Arizona case happened earlier this year and there's been a lot of talk about, you know, why is the law this way or why is reporting this way and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I do think it's a problem. I think, yeah, yeah, I, I think, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know what the church is supposed to do though. Yeah. How's the like if the guy denies it and there's not enough evidence to to show that he did it? What are you supposed to do as like his bishop? Right. And and I mean, I understand that because like as a bishop, you're you're in charge of also his spiritual welfare, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think most people have a problem with the fact that if the bishop calls the helpline and says, What am I supposed to do with this? There are states in which the law is you are not supposed to report it. Right, right, but but the helpline will tell you is you are to tell them to go as part of their repentance. They need to go confess and they need to mm-hmm. go to the authorities. Yeah, like the helpline will always tell you to encourage that person to go to the authorities and turn themselves in. 
Yeah. But this guy wasn't wanting to repent, right? This was people who were his victims going to leaders. Yeah. That's the problem, right? Mm -hmm. So, and this has actually been the problem from the very beginning of the church. John C. Bennett was like this in the the beginning of the church. You get people that are manipulative or that are conniving or they're what are like just bad people. Yeah. And members of the church oftentimes are very trusting of church leaders and uh, it creates opportunities for predatory behavior. And yeah. It's an unfortunate thing. I just don't, I, I'm not trying to justify what this person did in any way at all. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel horrible for everybody involved. I just don't know like how it's supposed to get solved. Yeah. Well, I think really we need to shift the way that we look at church leaders, to be honest. Like, we are so trusting of church leaders. And if you think about it, when you're called to a position, like to serve in young men or young women's, you're told like, connect with these teens, be, be somebody that they can talk to, that they can lean on. And, you know, more and more like your, your young women's leader, you go to her first with a repentance question, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, or she sits in with you when you go to talk to the bishop sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Or, but yeah, like you're really told, like connect with these teens, like they need you, they need, they need mentors. And, and in a way, we're kind of shoving them into these situations or these relationships where it's like, yes, anybody in this position you can trust and you can rely on and you can count on and you can talk to them about these things. And and I kind of I kind of am uncomfortable with that in general, even though I've been like a young women's leader and I understand that those relationships are important. And even as like a high school teacher, like you want to connect with your students, like it makes for better, you know, education and 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 sometimes you're better able to teach the gospel when you have those, you know, those connections. Yeah. But I, I do think, yeah, I do think that they're underlying all of that is this, you know, thing that we're teaching that like, yeah, you can trust all of these people and you can't. Yeah. Right. You really can't. And I think I was a teenager when I first learned that. And it's been very helpful for me throughout my time in the church. Mm-hmm. But people just need to remember that we let anybody in the church. We really yeah. do let... Ted Bundy was a member of our church and was active in the church while he was a serial killer. So yeah. Yeah. we let anyone in and people just have to like remember that, yes, we love our ward members. Yes, we they're our ward family and they're important in our lives, but it doesn't mean that they're like angels and flawless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, we're going to we're going to move on to something more lighthearted. My f- oh, great. Change our emotions again. I'm ready. <laughs> My my segment that I really, really enjoy that I'm not sure if Melissa likes so much called Famous Mormons. I love this segment, but I'm not good at it, but I'm ready. Okay. Now, do you remember the hit cheerleader movie, Bring It On, from the year 2000? <laughs> the reason... <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Your references are always so ancient, first of all. First of all. It's like from the 80s to the... Early bring 2000s. It, bring It On was a hit <laughs> show. Second of all, okay, famous Mormons implies that some of these people should be famous and also that they should be Mormon or Mormon adjacent. Okay. I know we've established that, but are we talking famous adjacent as well? <laughs> these people are all famous. They okay, were all great. in that – because the movie Bring It On was such a big hit – Yes, they all went the on to illustrious. Bring it on. Okay. Yeah, they all okay. went on to illustrious careers. Okay, so great. there's okay. three people that began their career <laughs> in that movie ages ago, but now they're super famous. Okay, okay so great. which okay. of these was raised a member of the church? We've got Eliza Dushku. Do you know Eliza who she is? Dushku, <laughs> so bad. Are you familiar with Buff, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Or okay. um, all right. 
Well, it's okay. I I don't know her, okay. but that's okay. That's part of the fun of this is that I literally <laughs> don't know anyone. Okay. Kir- Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Okay, you got to remember. You got to remember back to like five Spider-Man movies ago. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and Jesse Bradford. Do you know Jesse Bradford? Uh, we have links. We have links to all of them in the show notes for listeners who would like to know more about these wonderful. I've literally illustrious- never heard of any of these. Okay, people. so which one- I'm sure that's my fault. I'm sure that's my fault. Yeah, you got to watch more ancient uh, cheerleader movies. Okay, let- I'm going to throw it in the air. I'm going to go. Kirsten Dunst. Oh, good guess, but no, it's Eliza Dushku. Eliza Dushku. Tell me all she's, about Eliza. She starred in the horror film Wrong Turf. She's okay. in the Buffy Vampires show. Okay. Uh, she's in, um, hold on, she's in all, all kinds of stuff. I'm sorry. I mean, tell me about her Mormonism. She was raised a member of the church. Okay. Her, her mom was a member of the church. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. She, okay. She, doesn't it surprise you how many famous Mormons there are out there? No, I do like, oh. I do think it's fun to talk about. I, yes. It, you know, wow, man, that was surprising. <laughs> that was so surprising. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> if you were, if you Next were, week, better... can it be 1970s country singers? <laughs> yes, okay. yes. It might be Marie Osmond. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Okay, that was All fun. Right. Thanks, Maddie. We'll do All another right, we're going to jump to big deal, little deal, or no deal. No okay? deal. Okay. okay, so Matt, I'm going to tell you a little. I'm going to tell you a little headline, and you're going to tell me if it's a big deal, little deal, or no deal. Okay. Okay. This is a good one. Okay. Who's buying Nebraska after <laughs> shopping spree? Mormon Church is top land purchaser. <laughs> What a headline. You can't laugh before you tell me what kind of a deal it is. Three. Who's buying Nebraska? Who's buying Nebraska? <laughs> China. Three? I hope it's China. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. No big deal. deal. Oh, Matt. is it a big deal? I feel like it's a big deal. Well, yes, because we in past episodes, we've talked about how the Mormon church is owning a lot of property in a lot yeah. of states. Yeah. Particularly, I know we own a lot of land in Florida. I yeah. did not know that we own land in Nebraska. Yeah. Um, currently, according to this article, the Mormon church now owns, they call us the Mormon church. Hey, you guys, we're the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, we changed our name. We changed our name. Well, okay. So um, we now own about 370,000 acres. Yeah. And it's all agricultural land in Nebraska. So yeah. pretty soon we will be the largest landowner in Nebraska. Who Who is it currently? The largest landowner in Nebraska? Um, Gates. Bill Gates. Close. Ted Turner. Oh, Ted Turner. I knew it was one <laughs> yeah. of those rich guys. Yeah. So um, so slowly we've been buying, like over the last decade, like a lot of acres. Here's the reason I think it's a big deal. I love that we're investing in farmland, right? When the apocalypse hits, Matt, Yeah. when the apocalypse hits and our storehouses run out of food, mm-hmm. we're going to be able to grow it. Right. Right. Well, and, and particularly in Nebraska, it's cattle ranchers. So that's why I said not a big mm-hmm. deal because I thought everybody knew this. One of my students, um, her dad runs one of these big ranches for the church. And so mm-hmm. she lives in the middle of nowhere. No, yeah. she's in Kansas, but her uncle's in Nebraska. But anyhow, we have members of the church that that's their job is that yeah. for the church, they run these huge cattle ranches. Even and- in Argentina. I know some uh, two different couples who went and served in Argentina on their missions. They ran cattle ranches down there. 
Mm-hmm. And mm. most of what they do on those cattle ranches is raise beef for the church storehouse for the okay. Right, like if you need, if you go to the bishop and you need food, you can go to the bishop's storehouse, and they always have roast beef there, and they have other cuts of meat there. They have canned beef that you can get. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that's why I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant long term um, solution. And like, here's the thing: it's going to continue to generate wealth, but also it's going to continue to allow us to provide things for people in need. And isn't that our overarching mission? Well, I mean, there's Jesus, but I'm just saying like also. (laughs) But yeah, and if you're going to buy land, where are you going to buy it? Nebraska is pretty cheap, right? It's an inexpensive place to buy land. So yeah, maybe Uh, we'll own all of North Dakota next, all of South Dakota, and then (sighs) we could start our own nation of Deseret. (laughs) We just say we own this land. I'm writing my (laughs) my title for the next best-selling book I'm going to write. Or it could be a prediction at the next journal conference. The state of Deseret, colon, (laughs) apocalypse now. Okay? Okay. I got it. I'm done. I got it. Okay. Here's my headline, Melissa. Oh, okay. LDS father and daughter team up to show God can be found even in Babylon. Is that a big deal, a little deal, or no deal? Three, two, one, no deal. Little deal? Oh, okay. What's Babylon? Well, so Mike Winder, um, I think he's actually, uh, he's the mayor. Oh, no, he used to be the mayor of West Valley. And he was okay, a Utah sorry, legislator. Big deal, big deal. Sorry, big deal. West Valley mayor. <laughs> he, Mike Winder back in the day wrote a book called um, Presidents and Prophets. And it's all about when the presidents came to the to state of Utah. So it's history book. Yeah. So now he- Never his, read it. Never read it. He and his daughter- have written a book all about um, teachings of the church that you find in movies and in pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> it filled a book, huh? It filled a book? He okay. always has his antenna up for messages that resonated with his religious beliefs. Okay, so like on Star Trek, like a lot of people are like, ooh. Oh, or, or like Yoda in Star Wars, they're always like, he's giving Mormon messages. Yoda, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing? Right. Huh. That's right. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, that's that's it. He's, he's got hey, a book about Frozen. There's some I, theology in Frozen. There's absolutely. some theology in Mary Poppins. Okay. And I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> that book. <laughs> hey, yep. I said little deal, Melissa. <laughs> I know, but now I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. This is the sort of book that you're going to be quoting all the time, and we're going to be like, Matt, shut up. Nobody cares about your stupid movie facts. <laughs> we're going to have a new segment called Mormonism in Babylon. <laughs> I love it. Which cartoon character quoted Joseph Smith? (laughs) Wow. Now we are. Wow. I never mind. I pause. I'm moving on. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's my headline. And I feel like maybe you've already heard this one, but the international Olympic committee has named Salt Lake city as the preferred host of the 2034 winter Olympics. Three. Two, one. No deal. Big deal. How are, how is that? Now you're making me mad. You're just saying no deal on purpose. This is a Utah. hugely amazing big deal. Utah. Uh, then the Olympics. Oh. Hello, the Olympics. Okay. Okay. Now, is it related to Mormonism directly? Well, this is why no. I said no deal, right? Okay. Well, listen, I have a story to tell. So okay. put on your storytelling listening ears. Okay. 
As you know, both of us had the opportunity to travel over the last few weeks. And in that travel, boy, did I go to a lot of airports. And um, they're the worst. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying by they're the worst is that I went to some airports that were so disgustingly dirty and um, ugly and um, loud. S- smelled and of urine. Smelled. No, <laughs> yeah. for reals. Yeah. And then I went to the Salt Lake City Airport and I was like, holy smokes, this is impressive. Like, there's a maverick in there. There's Gourmandise. a maverick. There's a maverick there's a- in there. There's a lot of <laughs> restaurants and shopping. But here's the thing it's clean, it's beautiful, it's accessible, it's very close to a lot of things. And, um, and as I was walking unless, through the airport, unless you I was have to like, get from the B gates. Listen, I was walking through the B gates and it was kind of funny. They have really funny signs all through that long B corridor. Like it said, like (laughs) for like, honestly, it's almost a mile long. It's more like, we're like three quarters of the way through. And there's this big sign in there that says, this is just a warm up for one of the many hikes you can take in our five national parks. (laughs) Oh, geez. That's funny. Like, thank you. I'll keep walking. But did you hear about Mark's mother-in-law from Spain who Mm -mm. came to the, she came to the United States for Christmas last year, okay. and she got to that final escalator at the B gates, and she tripped and broke oh. her leg, oh. and spent her whole trip in the hospital in Salt Lake City because she got injured in that big long walk. Because she's an old woman, right? She's in uh-huh. her sixties. That doesn't make the point I want my story to make. Oh, okay, so sorry, sorry. I'm Go gonna, ahead. I'm Go gonna ahead. omit <laughs> what I just listened to from okay. the story. Yeah, cut okay, that out. my point is, is that I was like, wow, Salt Lake, this is a very impressive. If I'm flying in from all over the world, I'm impressed. Like this is impressive. And then, and then you go like out and like the city, like compared to other downtowns, it's very clean. Um, it's very walkable and there's great transportation. And I was thinking to myself, yes, yes. Salt Lake should be the home to this. And guess what's right in the center of Salt Lake that you cannot avoid. Temple Square. The gateway. Oh. No, not the gateway. <laughs> another, another, you're, you're going off course. Okay. No, the Temple Delta Square Center. is right there in the middle of That's it all. True. And That's you know, true. they give, they give tours of welfare square. You, you know that all of these people that come for the Olympics, they're going to go get their genealogy done. Cause it's so mm. easy to do right there. They're going to see temples. They're going to see Jesus statues. Like, I think this is an awesome, awesome thing. And I think we're going to represent ourselves, ourselves being the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, extremely well. You know, we're going to have people who are serving there. Like, it's, it, we're going to have all of our, you know, general authorities out there giving giving tours, giving answering questions. I think it's going to be amazing. Like, I think okay. it's a really big deal. And I think, yeah, I think as far as the church goes, this is going to be an awesome opportunity for us to showcase what is great about us. You persuaded me. Okay. Thanks. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. You know, the Channel 2 News did a poll. They were asking people, what are you most excited about with the Olympics coming to town? Uh The the number one answer, which was 31% said opportunities to volunteer. So that kind of goes to what you're saying, right? That's what a lot of of people in Utah are excited about volunteering at the Olympics. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is my headline. David Archuleta. Says Mormon friends, well, you're not going to like this headline. Okay. He says his Mormon friends are cold to him one year after leaving the church. They've moved on. Is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Three, two, one, big deal. Little deal. Okay. 
I, I could go big. I could go big. Yeah. Well, I just like this story. Um, I think it's actually a really common thing when people leave the church, transition from the church, no longer believe the church. Mm-hmm. Um, David Archuleta in, in this People magazine story talks about, I think it was Elder Ballard's funeral he went to. Um, and he didn't, he didn't say who it was. He just said a prominent member of the church had a funeral. And he said that when he was there, it was kind of like people didn't know what to say to him, that people used to hug him, but now they would sort of like shake his hand and they felt kind of cold and hmm. didn't seem to know how to relate to him. And as he described that in the People magazine story, I thought this happens all the time when yeah. people leave the church, but then they'll come back for a church function or there's like mm-hmm. a farewell or something like that. And people don't quite know how to relate to them. So that's the reason we I said it's a- to fix this. Like, yeah. This is not okay. And and I, from what, I, I like David Archuleta a lot. Yeah. Um, From my understanding, it's not that he doesn't believe in the church. It's that he doesn't feel like there's a place for him in the church, right? Yeah. He feels that's what like he says. as a gay member of the church, and there's so many people in this situation, there's not a place for me. Like I, yeah. and, and I feel like he tried for so hard for so long. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, what you're right. Like when you come back and you integrate yourself into something that's important to you in this community and you don't feel loved and warm and welcome. And I, I get that people are awkward. I get that people don't know the right thing to do or the right thing to say, but goodness sakes, like, like, but you know, when he was like a couple years ago, maybe it's even longer. He did that thing with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, yeah. their Christmas concert. Right? Yeah, I and went every, to it. It was great. Everybody loved it. Everybody yeah. loved him. It's the greatest right. thing in the world. They right. wouldn't invite him back now to sing at their Christmas concert, mm. which is unfortunate, right. right? Yeah. And yeah. They, they invite people that are not members of the church yeah, almost every do. year to be a part yeah. of it. But yeah. there's like this different feeling. If you used to be a part of us and then you choose to leave... Was there like maybe this distrust or something? I don't know. Or it's that they're worried how you're going to use your platform to influence other members. I think that's what it is. But David Archuleta is clearly not doing that, right? Right. He's right. clearly just trying to be like his best self and love right. the people. And and he and so I just see it happen a lot, and I think it's unfortunate. And so that's why I wanted to. That's the only reason I think it's a big deal because it's bigger than just David Archuleta. It happens to a lot of people who leave right. the church. Right. I mean, I just don't understand why we can't continue to treat people like people, like yeah. with love, you know? I just right. I just don't understand. And and it really doesn't matter um like I like I was saying like they're worried that, like what he's going to promote or whatever. It really doesn't matter what his message is cuz by treating him like this, guess, guess what his message is to People magazine. Those people don't love you anymore if you don't if you're not with them, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like we need to just trust people more than we trust them. Right. We need yeah. to not worry about shielding people or worrying about right. what negative influence. Yeah. We just need to say people are people. You're going to encounter someone like David Archuleta every day of your life, whether it's him or not. So right. why intentionally try to exclude him from a situation? Right. Uh, if, if it's not necessary. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I feel bad about that, and and I I think we need to do better. I I do think, um, I think the younger generation is better at this, um, yeah. and I think that um, they have a large problem with you know the whole situation with LGBTQ members of the church and yeah. how they're treated in general. And so I hope that means that that change is happening and and will happen. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't like that story at all. That makes me very sad. Yeah. Well, let's go to another story that's way less. Oh, well, I can't say. I don't know. You you don't know, but it, it, okay. 
Do you know what the Mormon Stories podcast is? John Dillon. John Dillon. Yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. It's probably the, it's been around probably as long as podcasts have been around. Okay. So here's my, here's my story about, or my headline. The Mormon Stories podcast is having trouble replacing donors. Oh. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one. No deal? No deal. Yeah. Okay. No deal. Do you think there's yeah. some controversy going on that's making that happen? Uh, I, I just noticed they posted on their website that they've like had a hard time. They've had legal troubles of some kind and yeah. they've had people stop donating money to them. And yeah, I've noticed they've done a lot more trying to go viral with like um, mm-hmm. YouTube shorts and stuff like that, maybe as a way to raise money. Yeah. Here's what I think. I think the time for being um, slyly anti-Mormon, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is what I think they are. Like I think yeah, they're anti-Mormon for sure. and they try to be sly about it and they try to be like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, like we're faithful. It's just a different kind of faith. But, but also here's all the things that are wrong with your church. Yeah. And the, it, it's kind of almost like an expose. And I understand that they have conversations with people and they talk to people and that those people have genuine and, and real experiences and stories. But I think that kind of stage for the church, I think it's ending, honestly. Mm. Like, I feel like people who want to understand things about the church or members of the church are much more frequently having in-person conversations, or they're just like asking questions and and figuring things out in a different way. And I, I just think this kind of approach where it's like, oh, but did you know? Yeah, I don't I don't care to find out my information that way. Yeah. And I and I and I feel like it, it comes across as sort of mm, sleazy, like the way that the Inquirer magazine comes across. Yeah, in a way, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think people have kind of caught on to that sort of approach and, and they're not with it anymore. That's what yeah. I think. I think that their shows are like three hours long and nobody has time to watch <laughs> through. <laughs> you know, there was a, a, a while back during the pandemic, a friend of mine invited me to go on Mormon stories with him to talk about something. I can't remember what it was. Uh-huh. And I was like, sure, sure. And I was like, let me just find out who they are. And then I looked him up. I was like, uh, I think as a BYU-Idaho professor, I should not go on not. that show. And he's like, yeah, yeah I kind of thought maybe you shouldn't. Like, yeah. So that that's how I first learned about them. I mean, I don't mind story. I don't mind people have, sharing their stories, you know, whatever they are. And, and I don't mind people having conversations, but I just think that that approach is it's past its time. That's what I yeah. think. Okay. So. okay. So the last one, there okay. is a, a company it's called apostate cigars is a new oh. cigar company okay. marketing cigars with book of Mormon <laughs> themed names. <laughs> Big deal. Oh, well, <laughs> little deal or no deal. Three, two, one. Big deal. No deal? I Come have no on. idea. This yeah, is the most you clever love thing. these stories. Okay, wait. So a cigar company named Apostate Cigars is naming uh-huh. their cigars after... Give you've me an got, example. You've got the Initiatory. You've got the Leona, no. the Deseret. <laughs> you've got the Sword of Laban, the Feathered Serpent, the Zarahemla. Uh, okay, why? Why is... I don't Moroni's understand why. Trumpet, the Who's going to buy these? And who thinks... I'm so confused. It says, this is their marketing. Our cigars, blended with intention, utilizing the finest aged tobaccos from around the world. Our cigars are crafted by hand under the supervision. Okay, it doesn't tell me. I don't know why they call them Book of... I don't know why you sell... I don't know why you call your place Apostate Cigars. Yeah. Or why you would uh, make them Book of Mormon themed. Or the endowment. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. It's almost screaming like I can't think of... like. 
I don't know. It'd yeah, be like I, having a coffee company that sell no coffee, right? It'd just be all Postum or something like that. Yeah, I don't but know. But they're I, real cigars. Yeah, they're real cigars. Yeah, so it wouldn't be like that. I don't predict a lot of success. <laughs> Like, I don't think like you're pulling out the sword of labor and you're like, hey, 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 look what I've got. And people are like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, it's an apostate cigar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, now, okay. What news feeds do you subscribe to? Like, where do you get this stuff? Uh, that stuff just shows up. It's everywhere, Melissa. You've been out oh, of the country or you would have right. known. You're, well, I have been in countries which create many fine cigars, apparently. And also... A lot of marijuana. <laughs> I was in oh Jamaica, and before before I left the terminal, I was offered drugs four times. <laughs> and I don't think I look like your standard drug user. Like I don't think I'm the the normal, approachable. Here, do you want drugs? Four times. Like wow. I, I stopped keeping count by the time we left the country. Of like, wow, there are just people like drugs here. So, <laughs> hey. Let's do Twim Takes, Melissa. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, um, I did want to talk about this, and I think we've referred to this a few times, but um, again, for Twim Takes, for Twim listeners, there's just some things that I want to talk about, whether they have a uh, story related or not. I want to talk about Christmas and Christmas mm-hmm. holidays okay. and ideas that you have for making the Christmas holiday like more holy. Yeah. Like My kids aren't young at all. Um, and, and so we don't, we don't do like the normal Christmas morning Santa kind of thing at our house. Yeah. But then I also like Christmas is a whole season, right? Like it's not just a day. Yeah. And and I just, I like having traditions or things, ideas on how to make it like not so crazy commercial and focused on what you're going to get, even on, even on what you're going to give, but like. How do you actually make Christmas like focused on Christmas? I think your family is probably pretty good at this, Matt. Yeah, we do a lot of this. So there's this one tradition that we do. And then do you know what I found out is Jimmy Kimmel, the talk show host, he actually does the same thing. I'll tell you what it is in a second. Okay, let's hear it. So we make Christmas Eve our big deal day where we, where it's our, and so we talk about the, the nativity and we read scriptures about the birth of Jesus and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. When kids were younger, we would act it out. Sometimes we just watch a movie. Sometimes we read scriptures here and there. And then we have a birthday cake for baby Jesus and we light some candles. It's a star-shaped cake. And then we sing happy birthday to Jesus, blow out the candles and have cake and ice cream. And I always thought that was the weirdest thing. But then I found (laughs) out Jimmy Kimmel's family does the exact same thing. Oh, really? Yeah. It was something my wife, her family did growing up. And so I was like, okay, maybe... Birthday yeah. cake and singing happy birthday to Jesus isn't so weird. If, huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So that's one thing we do. I mentioned we do the 12 days of Christmas. So we always, over these, we we set up 12 days where we do different things. So one of them is usually go see the lights. Um, our kids love to do Secret Santa where you okay. like, deliver things to people. Sometimes we deliver gifts to people, things like mm-hmm. that. But but I Christmas, like 12 days because then it's kind of spreading out the season a little bit more. Right. Yeah. And Christmas Day is always just presents and then visiting family. Okay. So the, yeah. the more spiritual stuff would be all the other days leading On up Christmas to Eve. It. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we have a tradition that we do in our family. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily Jesus-centered, but um, – oh, anyways um, – 
like several, several years ago, my kids were young and, um, we were having like a really big financial struggle. Like my husband had just, um, lost his job. Are you still with me, Maddie? I think we lost you for a second. No, no. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So my husband had just lost his job and, um, and, and like, it was just a difficult Christmas. Like we didn't have a lot of money. And, um, so Christmas Eve though, my son came down with like this, this terrible rash. And I was like, Oh goodness, it's Christmas Eve. Finally decided to take him into the doctor. It turns out it's scabies, which I didn't Ooh. really know what that was, but it was oh. pretty serious. And they were like, yeah, you got to treat it right away. You got to go get, um, some medication. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And so I go to the pharmacy and, um, and they're like, yeah, this is really expensive. It's going to cost you a hundred dollars just so you oh. know, but we'll fill it right now. And I was like, like to me, a hundred dollars at that time was like so yeah. much money. And I was like, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I was like, but you know, like, okay, I'm just going to walk around the store with my son while they fill, you know, his prescription. It's Christmas Eve. Let's just walk around. And and I was just trying to like figure it out in my mind, but like keep him entertained at the same time. Cause he's this little kid. So I said, let's go over to the toy aisle and let's just walk up and down the aisle. And, and you just point at things and tell me like, if you had money, who you would give this present to, or who would really enjoy that? Like just to kind of pass the time. And again, I just needed him to do something while, while I was thinking, you know, so we're just kind of over in the toy aisle doing this thing. And, um, and I noticed this man over in the aisle, he's just kind of hanging out there and he looks like super homeless, like really like ragged, um, you know, really worn down. And, and like my instinct was like, okay, kind of like keep your kid away from him or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but also it's Walmart and it's Christmas Eve and it's crowded. And it's also like, I mean, who cares? I've got a lot of other things on my mind, but he was, he was noticeably ragged. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're, we're kind of doing this and I'm just trying to figure out like, well, how am I going to pay for this prescription that he obviously needs? And this ragged man walks up to me and my son and he hands me an envelope and he says, you dropped this back there. And I was like, wait, what? And he hands it to me and he says, you dropped this. And then he walked away. And, and I, I look at the envelope and I turn it over and it says, Merry Christmas, ho, ho, ho. And it has a little Santa hat drawn on it. Whoa. And I was like, oh, this isn't mine. And I turn around to give it to him and he's already gone. Wow. And I open it up and guess what's inside? A $100 bill. Whoa. Yeah. $100 wow. bill. Like it was the biggest Christmas That's miracle. So cool. It's like one of those stories that you hear, but like, did that actually happen? Yeah, that actually happened. So ever since that day, just to kind of like remind my kids that like God is aware of you, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you, God is aware of you. And that's something that I want them to always remember at Christmas time. So our tradition has always been that we, um, that we like, depending how much money we have, sometimes it's a hundred dollars. Sometimes each of them gives a hundred dollars. Like it just kind of depends. But, um, yeah, on Christmas Eve, we always go to Walmart and we have envelopes that say, ho, 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 Merry Christmas on them. And we pray before we go into the store and we say, please, you know, please let us know who needs to know that you're aware of them today. Mm -hmm. God, you know, like, let us know who needs to know that you're aware of them. And then we just go and we sit in the store and sometimes it takes up to an hour before we feel like the person walk by and we like, yeah, that's the one, that's the one that needs it. And then, you know, you just walk up to him, say you drop this envelope and you walk away. And, and, uh, that's, so that's kind of our Christmas tradition. A couple of times we've gone to like desert industries or or somewhere else. But, but that's the kind of like, I like those kind of things where it's like, okay, like, but this is the real reason is that like, like we have a savior and like we have a God who's aware of us and, and I like to do cool. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So last year, 
your story is way more inspirational than my story. Well, but- it's, I mean, it's like one of those stories <laughs> that you're like, really? But yeah, that really happened exactly when we needed it. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So you know how I like to go to timeshare presentations? I don't know if you know this about me. <laughs> you do. You're so, you do. You, you love to go to timeshare presentations. Yeah. Yep. I yep. do. And so last year at Christmas time or somewhere around there, we were in Las Vegas and um, I like to get as much as I possibly can out of them on my timeshare presentation. So I got <laughs> them to give me do. a $200 gift card, uh, an American <laughs> Express gift card. Uh-huh. So um, I was like, hey, it's Christmas Eve. Let's this year, my $200 gift card from the timeshare, we're going to go to Sam's Club and buy food gift cards. So we bought. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes. Yeah, so we bought a whole bunch of gift cards for like Wendy's and I don't know, the various food places. And then yeah. we went around Las Vegas looking at people under the bridges and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And gave food gift cards out to people. Yeah. And said, Merry Christmas. But oftentimes they were very, very suspicious. In fact, one time, <laughs> one of my sons was like walking up to this guy to give him a gift card and he's on a bike and he's riding away and leave it. He's like chasing him. He's like, I want to give you this. He's like, leave me alone. Yeah. But yeah, yours is more yeah. inspirational. Well, no, I think experiences like that though are what like kind of developing your kids. Like this is the reason that that we're really doing this is because like we need to look out for each other and, and we need to, you know, to care about each other in the way that, that God needs us to. So Anyways, hey. thank you for um, entertaining me again great. for Twin Takes. Great Twin I Takes, I would love Melissa. to hear from listeners because it's early on in December now. I'd love for you guys to write in and tell us if if you have things that you do that make the holidays um, for for your family, for yourself, that just make them more holy, that makes Christmas holiday more holy. Because, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love some ideas and to hear about that. And also, we're doing a year in review episode in the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks. So. If there's anything you want to reach out and let us know that you want to have it included on the year in review or something you think we should talk about, go yeah. ahead and email us. So remember, listener, you can subscribe to Patreon to get bonus content for just a few dollars a month. Um, you can subscribe to This Week in Mormons on social media. You can email us at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can visit our website, This Week in Mormons, to leave a voice comment. Um, and we just want to thank you, listener, for listening to the original Mormon slash Latter-day Saint news podcast. We, Melissa and I together will talk to you again in the new year, but we'll also be as part of that year-end review show coming up soon. Have Thanks a great, for listening. Have a great week. Have a great week.